All right, welcome to Old School, Jake Huber, Ben Mankiewicz. Um, we're gonna do uh, silly topics as usual here. Uh, we're also gonna do serious topics. So uh, whatever happened to Andy Richter is a topic tonight. Uh, Genghis Khan, smartest man that ever lived, interesting topic. Uh, but we're also gonna talk about mm-hmm. Trump because he's All insane. Right. Uh, but before any of that, uh, let me thank our sponsor, shoptyt.com. We now have two theoretical sponsors. First of all, look at this fun, whimsical shirt, the great indoors. I'm not good at holding it up. I hope you get the point. Uh, but also, uh, new shirts out after the debate. Uh, with Trump being sick, I don't know if this is okay or not, but uh, will you shut up, man? Okay. Shut up. Will you shut up, man? <laughs> so shoptyt.com. There's also mass versions of that. There's mass versions of electionists coming, vote, and all that stuff. Okay, uh, boom. Okay, uh, shoptyt.com. Also, new sponsor, um, twostrongcoffee.com. Okay, mm-hmm. finished uh, my uh, finished the breakfast blend. Uh, ground up my last little bit uh, today. Ah, it's awesome. Uh, the breakfast blend is the uprising, uh, mm. and uh, the French roast is a rebel roast. Uh, so mm. they're organic, fair trade. They give money to um, uh, progressive causes, and if you order three bags, you get that wonderful mug. So, but you got to go to uh, twostrongcoffee.com/tyt. Okay. All right, let's get started. Trump's a maniac. So he gets out of Walter Reed on Monday, uh, goes to the White House, and immediately takes off his mask. Insanity. He's walking into the White House. Then later, he puts up what Ben described as a hostage video. No, seriously, he's been doing these videos and he did a couple out of the hospital. He, now he's back at the White House and he did one. It looks fine. It's it's okay. Uh, the, the, the problem isn't how it looks, the problem is what he says. At the end, after in an earlier video, declaring at the hospital, oh, now I understand coronavirus. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you all about it. Okay, now I know it a great deal. You should have known this 10 months ago, you're the worst. Only care when it's you, right? But as soon as he thinks he's past it, again, back to not caring about you, takes off the mask, exposes it to people when he's an active coronavirus patient. Uh, And then he says near the end of the video from the White House, I might be immune, I don't know. No, we have excellent evidence that you're not immune. Because you're an active coronavirus patient. That means you're not immune, you're infectious right now. And apparently you learn nothing about coronavirus. This conversation and all the conversations that Americans are having across the country is insane, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course he's not immune. Of course we know he's not immune because he has it, of course. He doesn't know all about it now. It's inconceivable that he knows all about it now. He doesn't ask anyone any questions ever. And when he does, he doesn't listen to their answer. So uh, we're really in. I mean, it is, it, it's how things, you know, it's how uh, empires fall. It's how uh, nation states crumble, right? I mean, you just get inured to the madness. Um, and we're in the middle of madness. And of course, it's funny because we laugh at things that make us uncomfortable. Um, it's human nature, at least among the clever human. Um, and, you know, but it's not funny. I mean, that, that video, and of course, it's not a hostage video. It's a, uh, I saw somebody who I like object to this, but it, it is a, a Mussolini video, right? Um, and the person who objected to it uh, was a really smart guy. Was like, you know, are you just saying that because you don't you want to call it fascist, but you're afraid to, you know, say Hitler, right? But Mussolini came out on his porch and just soaked in the adulation to tell everyone, "Look at me, I'm in charge. I'm the only one who matters," right? He was so insecure that he desperately needed that adulation. He'd walk around, you know, you've seen it all puffed up. And that's what Trump looks like on the video and sitting on the balcony of the White House after he got off Marine One after leaving Walter Reed and taking his mask off in the presence of the photographer. And there were some looked to be White House staffers behind him. And as you said, Jack, he's, a, he's an active coronavirus patient. He's unquestionably contagious right now. Maybe not as contagious as he was. Whenever 
he first started coming down with symptoms or whenever he first tested positive because we have no idea uh, when that was. I know I've been talking for a long time, but what we do know, last thing, is that he's obviously not been tested in a while because they haven't said it. And we've heard from other people that there are no real testing protocols uh, at the White House. So they're not getting tested every day. Who knows how long he had it? Who knows who he got it from and who knows who he gave it to? Yeah, you know, it's funny because when they said he was being tested uh, three times a day earlier, I believed them. And oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and you know, looking back on it, it's easy to say, man, that was foolish of you to ever believe Donald Trump. But I thought, well, it's his own personal safety. So I don't see why he wouldn't do that. I would see why he wouldn't do that for you, but I wouldn't see why, you know, why not protect yourself? I don't know, maybe they drank their own Kool-Aid and they really thought it was no big deal, right? I, I, so No, I'll tell you why he didn't do it. I think he did in the beginning and then he didn't because I think he was afraid of the result, right? And he is so sheltered and such an he's such a scared little man, right, all the time that he thought, no, I'll, I'll either won't get it or I'll, I either don't have it or I won't get it because I'm so strong, right? And none of these people have it. But secretly, of course, you don't take it because, you know, uh, uh, what if you get a bad result, right? We've all sort of been there. You don't make a call you don't want to make because you're afraid. What if the person says, nope, I'm not going to give you that job or whatever it is, right? You don't want to call the girl because she might break up with you, right? Uh, I think that's what was happening with Trump. I agree. In the beginning, he was probably tested a lot when it was at the forefront of his mind, his limited mind. You know, Ben, you're right. And I underestimated for the first time how stupid he is. Because yeah. he probably, because I know folks like this, honestly, uh, from the old country, um, where they have a, uh, some folks never made it out of the villages and they got these mindset of like, no, I'm too strong for that disease, yeah. right? I'm too strong for AIDS. I don't know what that means, right? Uh, it makes no sense at all, but they genuinely believe it. And of course, Trump's that dumb. He probably thought he was, that's why he was so shocked when he had it. That's why the reports coming out of the White House on uh, Friday, when he had a really bad fever on Thursday night, uh, where he was flabbergasted and and like really worried, yeah. because he thought he couldn't get it. He's so dumb. He's you so saw it. You saw it tonight with what you just the thing you just said when you were uh, uh, rather impressively uh, imitating him. I forget that your Trump is pretty solid, um, but you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm immune. Like I, I, I don't think he's being politically clever. I certainly, I don't think he's being. I mean, he's being dumb, of course, but he's he thinks maybe he's immune. He doesn't really know what immunity is or means. He just thinks that might mean conquering it. When I learned today a phrase that I'm sure I'm going to get wrong, but the COVID nineteen is biphasical. Wow. Yeah, no, I remember seeing that in a Star Trek episode. Uh, when Sulu biphasicaled uh, <laughs> the alien. Yeah, totally. Put your phasers on uh, biphasical, on biphasical. Um, yeah, and it's that uh, second phase um, uh, where now I can't remember the word, but where the disease, again, like, you know, it's a <laughs> replicates, but that's not it, actually. Uh, and that's why every doctor who has treated COVID has said, well, a couple of things. One, you can see somebody in the emergency room and they're okay. And then an hour later, you're putting a tube down their throat, right, to help them breathe. Um, and also people who will think they're okay. And then a week later, they get hit with these massive symptoms that requires hospitalization and, again, possible intubation. So, uh, you know, I, I, none of us uh, wish it on anyone, but the, the notion that he has conquered it after three days is uh, ridiculous, as every single person with the disease will tell you. Yeah, and so there's a, and guys, there's a couple of different stages to this. Um, it's in fact multi-stagical. Um, and <laughs> so uh, there's a part where you're still um, an active patient, where you could, you're definitely contagious. Uh, he is unquestionably in that part. Um, and then after a while, uh, yes, then you're you're past it. And then at that point, you're not fully immune. Uh, there is documented cases of people getting it again already in the time period that it has existed. Uh, but to be fair, uh, you're far, far less likely to get it and hence spread it. 
So if this was two months down the road, then Trump being massless is actually not so bad. Um, and so that's just, that is the reality of coronavirus. Uh, that's a much lower percentage chance that he would get it or spread it at that point. But when you just got out of the hospital and you told us your first positive test is on Thursday, even if he's lying and the first positive test was Tuesday or Monday, you're definitely in the first stage. Definitely, when you're you the most infectious. Yeah, well, you're you're most infectious, Paris. Again, I, um, you know, this is all based on what I've listened to, which is a lot, and I don't usually watch cable news. I read, um, but because uh, you know things were breaking, so I've been watching, and I've taught a lot of doctors, and they say you're you're most contagious at the beginning of your symptoms, not when you're first infected, uh, and then like the day after, and then it declines a little bit. Obviously, you're still contagious while you are actively suffering symptoms. About that, there is uh, there is no dispute. He might be a little less contagious than he was Friday or Saturday, but he's unquestionably uh, still contagious. And it's incredibly irresponsible to get in the car with the Secret Service agents. I mean, you saw a story. Don Jr. was worried about the decisions he was making and was trying to get Eric and Ivanka to step in uh, and talk to him. I mean, Don Jr., Crying out loud! If that's your voice of reason, then then we're actually in in worse shape than we even realize. Yeah. All right. Now a fun part of this story: uh, new poll out from CNN. Um, what percentage of Americans fully trust the White House statement on Trump's health? Twenty-seven. You said one in seven. Yeah, one, I said twenty-seven. Yes. No, oh, twenty-seven. Oh, twenty-seven. Yeah. Not a good guess. Correct yeah. answer: twelve percent. One in eight. One in one in eight. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> So, eighty-eight percent of the country says, "Yeah, no, no way, don't believe them." <laughs> it's unbelievable. Eight, look, seven in ten believe little to none of what they say about Donald Trump's health. Seventy percent of the country says, "I don't believe him at all." Right? At most, I believe a little bit, a tiny bit. I mean, when yeah, the president has lost the, the trust of the people that much, it's amazing that he's still at 39, 40% in, in the election. You're, and he's, yeah, you're, this you're, is unbelievable landslide territory. Yeah, I, I mean, there's just, uh, there are a couple of things. One, the comparisons to other presidents and the, the illnesses that, that they hid. Right from you know Woodrow Wilson, and there was one I learned about that I uh, that I didn't know, but obviously FDR and uh, and President Kennedy. Um, you know, uh, there was a 19th century president who hid something significant, um, and like they didn't have communicable diseases. Wilson had the Spanish flu, but they kept him out of sight. I mean, it was unquestionably quarantined. Uh, so this is incredibly different. Hugh Hewitt had a you know, pointed out that I wonder, you know, whether we're so divided. I wonder how the Congress and the media will portray it when, with Trump back to health, you know, when when Reagan returned, he got a standing ovation in Congress. Somebody tried to murder him, right? Uh, a criminal yeah, a tried different. to murder. Him. Yeah, and he spent twelve days in the hospital and survived a very serious bullet when they also misrepresented that early on um, and uh, uh, survived a serious bullet wound and gunshots aren't contagious. I mean, yeah. the things that we end up uh, having to say are, uh, are stunning. Uh, I would like to reference something that, that you said earlier, that incredible insanity, which I don't think we uh, spent enough time talking about. I don't think anybody in general spends tough time talking about it. This this idea that he he now understands COVID because it got him. There's a, a empathy and the ability to understand what other people are going through is a it is a vital component to humanity of understanding the social contract and and working with others. You don't have to have full empathy about everything. There could be things you don't understand, but this sort of instinctive empathy that people go through something difficult when they face a disease that might kill them. And obviously 211,000 people have died in this country, over a million around the world. But of course, the disease has impacted whatever, those people times what, 10, right? I mean, immediate family members, friends. So more, I'm sure I'm being conservative uh, with that. Um, 
so it is a, I don't know, it is a, a serious emotional vacuum. It is a serious character flaw, suggesting serious psychological instability. Not to feel the empathy. I use an example that we used on the Turks all the time, Senator Rob Portman from Ohio. And I'm very glad that he supports gay marriage, right? It's good because what happened to his family and a number of other conservatives might not be the case. But his son comes out as gay and he realizes, oh, maybe gay people should have some rights. And I find that good and ghastly, like that he represented however million people there are in Ohio. And it it like didn't dawn on him that some of them have gay sons. Some of them have gay daughters. You needed for it to hit you in the face for you to think that it's okay to extend rights to those people. Like, uh, it's galling. I mean, I, I, I'm, I am incredibly angry. I hate Rob Bortman, and I'm very grateful that he changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so look, but Trump's a whole different level, right? So a whole it hits level. him. Yeah, so it hits him. So he starts to believe it for two or three days. And then the minute he gets past it with literally the best care in the world, he's like, "Oh no, yeah, it's, it's okay. You just have to be strong. If you're strong, uh, you'll make it." First yeah. of all, if you have a pre-existing condition, there's uh, that uh, is a comorbidity that winds up taking you out because of coronavirus. You weren't going to be, you weren't going to mentally strong your way out of it. Okay, that's not a thing. Where you're like, oh, I'm so mentally strong, it'll get rid of my pre-existing condition. That's and he. He just doesn't understand. The minute he thinks it stopped affecting him, he immediately stopped caring. See, that's at least Rob Portman is still in favor of gay marriage, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so he's she's just a whole different level. I mean, and look, the other part of it is again the 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 lack of intelligence. So the lack of empathy is. I really believe he's at a level of a sociopath. Uh, I absolutely. Uh, and but in terms of the intelligence, it's it's really stunning. I mean, look, FDR and and JFK, et cetera, they they hid a lot of the uh, medical conditions that they had, right? But it was a different time. The reporters would let them hide it, and they and folks didn't see them often, and there was ways of hiding it. But we live in a time where if FDR tried that now, we would all see his wheelchair, we would all know immediately. And if FDR was Trump, he'd still try to hide it. And you'd be like, no, no, Mr. President, we're not doing radio chats anymore. The TV exists, video exists, online video exists. They catch everything, and he'd be like, nope, nope, I'm still gonna do it. And and for FDR and Kennedy, until FDR was diagnosed in, in, in 1945, right after his election with serious heart failure. Um, the fact that he was in a wheelchair, in a sense, uh, there was value in keeping it from Americans because we wouldn't have handled it correctly, right? We would have thought, oh, you can't be president. Well, of course you can be president in a wheelchair, right? Yeah, uh, it's worth telling Americans if you have what is likely to be fatal heart disease, then then that that should never have been hidden. And JFK's illnesses weren't going to uh, cripple him from doing his job. You know that said, it now all, I I think all of it should be revealed. But this is a uh, this is a different circumstance. These are again communicable diseases, and he threatens the well-being of Secret Service agents and their wives and their children and their friends and Mark Meadows and his wife and his children and his friends and everyone who was there. And silly, stupid, unelected Kelly Loeffler, that her name? Yep. Right, Kelly, um, was on Fox News today saying she wouldn't have done anything differently at that uh, Amy Coney Barrett uh, ceremony, right? I mean- these people are unbelievable. They 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 risk the lives of Americans with this behavior. And Trump saying today in that tweet, he said it again in that in that in that Mussolini video. Don't don't be afraid of of COVID. Don't let it hold you back. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it's the, here's who's not holding back two hundred eleven thousand people. You know, don't let it make sure you live your life. Whatever he said. Don't let it keep you from living your life, something like, you know, and they're, those people are no longer allowing that. They've, they've decided not to have that interfere with their lives because they're dead. I mean, it is so unpatriotic, so hideous, it's so awful, man. And, and the, yeah, there could be a, a, a blowout 
right? Uh, a landslide, which would be great. But of course, you know, 30 days, crazy things happen. Yeah, so uh, although this would be the craziest, uh, I, I've never seen anyone come back uh, down eight to nine points nationally. That would be beyond miraculous. I know, um, it's great. The great thing is just if he can get it to four, he has a chance to win. I know, it's yeah. absurd. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, and that's because of the Electoral College, of course. And uh, you got to make room for the cheating and the blocking the mail in votes and all that stuff. Uh, but even so, you can make all the room you want in the world unless it is flat out uh, stolen, uh, borderline coup. Uh, you're not going to overcome an eight to nine point lead with 30 days to go. Um, so, uh, and you know, it's funny. I, I never thought about it this way, but it's a random side note here. Uh, potentially, maybe the greatest president we ever had was this was disabled. We never talk about it that way, right? Because he got polio, so he, he became disabled later. But so what? He was disabled as president, and he was uh, got us through World War II and uh, and the Great Depression. Um, I think the disabled community should take ownership over FDR a little bit more aggressively than they do. Yeah, on random side, and created uh, social security. Yeah, and created social security. That's right. Uh, and now some folks are trying to get their government hands on our social security. Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, so listen, guys. Uh, for some of you, uh, we're going to go, but we're going to have a second episode where we're going to talk about some of the lighter stuff, including uh, whether Genghis Khan was was a genius and uh, and uh, whatever happened to Andy Richter. All right. <laughs> Um, so uh, old school uh, Jenk and Ben with you guys um, drinking our two strong coffee.com slash DYT. I don't call it coffee anymore. I call it two strong coffee.com slash DYT. Even if I'm at Starbucks, I'm like, hey, can I get some two strong coffee.com slash DYT? And they're like, wait, do you want that in Venti? Do you want that in Venti? You don't I know, I'm the worst. Yeah. None of that made any sense. <laughs> It's like, do you have do you have this in an extra large? <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense than what I said. So, but we'll still start off the dumb stuff. My wife is, uh, I love my wife. She's got some crazy ideas about things that are unimportant. She has no crazy ideas about things that matter. God bless, right? Mm -hmm. But she will not use Starbucks terms. Will not. I mean. Ever under any circumstance, and kind of yells at you if you get, you know, I'll say she, she'll call me. You want me to run by Starbucks? Oh yeah, great, give me a tall Americano. What size is that? I don't know. <laughs> no, by the way, yeah. So maybe it's a New Jersey thing, but I instantly love Lee for it. I, I'm the same way, and I'm not making a principled point out of it. I I think I just never went to Starbucks enough to know. Uh, so I, if you tell me what's a venti now, or yeah, tall, I got it, I literally don't know. Yeah, I know you're dumb about it. Though. I got that. She knows. <laughs> so hers is a hers is a statement, right? I'm not going <laughs> to fall for their incredibly smart marketing, which helped make them one of the most successful companies of the 20th century. Like, not that big a deal. Uh, tall, grande, and you know, vente means 20. Right? In Italian, it means it's 20 ounces. You know, other people do it. Right. I see what you're doing. You're doing some <laughs> propaganda to try to get me to remember. Mm, I see you, Magwitz. <laughs> Tall uh, and small rhyme. That, that's you can start a start. Oh, somewhere. now you ruined it. Now I'm gonna know. <laughs> you're terrible. Um, but like it's, that idea. But she knows. But her hostility to it. So uh, I don't remember what my point was there. But uh, <laughs> you know, just that your wife was crazy. But, <laughs> basically, the but, but was which crazy. wife and husband aren't crazy? We're all crazy. <laughs> in our own ways. Yes, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, I just. Ben, uh, I can I, see I, that I, head movement by Ben means some more so than others. Yeah, it was not. I mean, it's not even. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, and, uh, but today, I mean, like, I got it. I mean, I mean, so today I'm watching the, we're taping this on Monday. It was game one of the American League uh, division series. The A's playing the Astros. And, you know, you look, I'm obviously, I care more about the A's than any other sports team. And there's justice if the Astros lose. I mean, America, unless you're an Astros fan, should be rooting against the Astros. They flat out cheated, flat out cheated in the most dramatic way possible, not in a cool way like stealing signs while you're on base, which I think is should be allowed, right? You can't use TV to do it, right? And uh, 
you know, the Patriots, they cheated too with the filming of the practice, right? What else did they do? What was their other cheating? Inflated the ball. Oh, yeah, that, I don't care. Every, everybody inflated the ball. That was nothing. That was. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, yeah, I don't care about that one. But uh, so you want them to lose. And, and But the A's had a 5-3 lead and they made a, uh, you know, they made a two-out error. A player I love, Mark Simeon, made a two-out error in the sixth inning. Two outs, nobody on in the sixth, up 5-3. Error, just an error on a ground ball. Single, 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 double, whatever it was, four runs, right? It was a four-run error on a two-out rally. And I, when they singled to take the lead, I get up off the couch. And my daughter's there. She's playing her game. We're all watching on the couch together. I'm obviously paying more attention. And I, I mean, let loose, right? Right, right. I'm walking yeah. around the room. And, like, and I got it. And, and I hear my daughter laughing at me. And I'm like, yeah, all right, well, that's crazy. I mean, obviously, that's a crazy thing to do. They don't know me, right? They don't care what I do. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, but so Wendy doesn't like me cursing, even if it's in a different language. Mm. She's like, no, it's still technically cursing. I'm like, so is, that, is, that, is that because she thinks then that is their judgment? Is that like religious judgment? Or, or does she mean in front of the kids or in, in front of you? No, uh, so first of all, it's definitely not religious. Wendy is, yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, stone yeah. cold agnostic. Uh, but uh, or no, she grew up with no religion. Um, yeah. and which is, I know, it's like for the uh, folks in the West, it's a little mind blowing. But uh, a lot of Chinese folks grow up with no religion at all. And no, there, so, Jake, there, there are godless people when they started the virus. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Um, no, she views it as, uh, uh, yeah, it's bad to do it around the kids, uh, but it's she doesn't like it around her, and and well, that's and that's why living together with anybody is hard because she's right. If it bothers her, even if I say it in Portuguese, it bothers her, right? Uh, on the other hand, I want to be able to curse. <laughs> I mean, if I'm doing it in Portuguese, which I'm not, obviously I'm doing it in Turkish, okay? <laughs> but like. Come on, you gotta let me curse in Turkish, and then and then now the like the kids think like heck is a curse word, and freaking is a curse word. I'm like, look, baby, if heck is out, then I I'm not I can't communicate with people. I have to start using sign language. You know, obviously these are all just uh, they're anecdotal stories. We have no evidence. We curse all the time, all the time. I'm not even sure we've cut down, right? Um, and you know, I don't. You know, it's probably not how you think of me, but I like to curse. I got no beef with it, right? And uh, we curse about the same. It was part of the language, and we like to do it, you and I. Um, and Lee sometimes deliberately like, tries to provoke Josie. She'll be like, "Come on, say it," you know. That guy's a he's a right to <laughs> seven year old daughter, right? And even I'm like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey," right? Uh, and then she'll ask, inevitably afterwards, she's like, "Why, why do I do that? that? Was too much. Why do I?" Right, um, but Josie will not curse. Will not That's say awesome. damn. No, no, right, right. Please, yeah. I don't know if it's on purpose or or accidentally, but that is a master level reverse psychology move on a kid, yeah. on a seven year old kid. Yeah, I mean, I we both we both curse. We don't. Uh, I mean, I did it today, not just in the screaming. I mean, she'll say, you know, do, I'll be like, you know, is that okay? I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I'm like, give, you know, and she's like, okay, you know. Um, and I get it. She's seven, but it doesn't matter. She won't say it. I mean, maybe it'll come bursting out, but it's going to come out anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, I got news for folks. They eventually learn. Yeah, they're going to. Okay. Learn. Yeah, and in fact, uh, pros ten. He knows almost all the curse words. Okay. Right. Uh, the the trick isn't bottling them up so they never ever learn a curse word. The trick is to raise them in a way that they don't use it in inappropriate context. That's right. That's right. That's uh, which right. you guys have. Somehow, in a great three-dimensional chess move, perfected mm -hmm. with Josie. So congrats. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And she knows <laughs> flat out. I'm like, she knows. Grown-up words. Kids aren't supposed to say it. When he, when she hears a kid say it at school, she comes in and tells. Him. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna believe. You're not gonna believe, Marcus. Oh, cursed. What do you say? I can't. And then she was just like, "What do you say?" And she, I can't. I can't say it. I can't say it. Yeah. If if Pro was there, he'd be like, "I'll help you out. Let me know. I'll I'll say it." Let me also just throw in this thing because we go to school in Los Angeles. There's not one kid in her school named Mark, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody's name is something inventive. Some everybody's name, the whole school is named Apple, 
Yeah, I was gonna say uh, grapefruit. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, and meet my daughter, Avocado. Julie and I, uh, Josie and I had a great game where I guessed names like one night to put her to sleep, except it took an hour. Uh, where I would say, okay, tell me, there's about 120 people at school. I'd be like, okay, is there a Michael? She'd be like, nope. I go, is there a Benjamin? She'd be like, nope, just you. I go, is there a Kyle? She goes, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's awesome that like yeah. it, it, young kids growing up in LA might be like, Kyle's a name? James? <laughs> like- <laughs> James? James, 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 who's named James? Right. Well, now because of LeBron, they might know. But yeah, but that's the last yeah, name. They'd, anyway. be like, they'd be like, yeah, it's the last name. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, first of all, let's acknowledge that I live in a glass house because I named my son Prometheus. Um, but I named my daughter Joy. And here's what, like, so I'm, look, you got a name you love, go for it, right? If you're stretching to name your daughter Avocado just to look cool, don't do yeah. it, okay. right? So, and on the other hand, I also don't believe in naming the kids Bob, right? Yeah, um, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Joy is a obviously an English word. Uh, it's a word that I love. It's it's a it's a name I've loved ever since I knew it existed as a name, um, but. But it's not a Christian name, so like it's it would be weird. Like I've already gave my son a Greek name when I'm Turkish. That's already plenty weird enough. But like naming your son Anthony would be like, wait, you're why, right? You know you, you're not Christian. You know what's reverse cool though? You mean the name that you used is that you're not in favor of, right? Yeah. Because no one, I mean, imagine be how cool it would be to name a kid Bob, not Robert, <laughs> just Bob, just Bob. yeah, not Robert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just yeah. Bob. I'm Bob. Yeah, hey, and by hey. the way, you know, I, I I picked a hilariously ironic example because one of the runner-ups for for pro was Tony. I love the name Tony, Good but name. I would never yeah. name the kid Anthony. Oh, uh, it's crazy. It's why Josie's named Josie. Like she's not. That's no. There's no Johanna there. There's not no Josephine. Josie. That's it. The name you want to call the person is what their name should be. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, speaking of names. Uh, so in the last old school episode with Mark and and Jr, um, we were talking about Conan O'Brien and whether uh, that show still exists, and it amazingly does. Um, but we it's on, well, it's on once a week, right? Uh, no, see that's the funny thing. No one really knows. Uh, I know it got cut down to a half an hour, uh, mm-hmm. but I I think it's on still every day, half an hour. But we didn't bother. I, I, really sh- I mean, since I work at where I work, I really shouldn't have gotten that wrong. But uh, I'm. As somebody, Asher looked that up for us, okay? Um, And but meanwhile, then we thought, like, wait, is Andy Richter still on the show? And then we're like, wait, whatever happened to Andy Richter? And but we never got to the topic. So, and the reason I bring it up, Ben, is because I think Andy Richter is actually really funny. I feel like if I'm Andy Richter, I'm like, man, I just barely missed it, I was almost there. I was almost Zach Galifianakis, and ah, am I crazy for thinking that, or does that make sense to you? No, let me tell you, I had a whole opinion on Andy Richter. First of all, if I'm remembering correctly, when the show got cut to half an hour, and it is on more than once a week, um, I think there was talk of what they were going to do with it, and one of the options was making it once a week, but they ended up doing this half hour thing. First of all, Conan is, in many ways, one of the funniest people to ever walk the earth. Uh, I don't think. You know, for a long time, he was sort of learning a very difficult job on the job. So, and he was so not a traditional talk show host that trying to shoehorn shoehorn him into being a professional talk show host did not suit anybody's. But I mean, you listen to his speech to Harvard graduates and his uh, the couple episodes I've heard when he's on when he's a guest on somebody else's show or. The videos he makes or his his podcast is apparently sensation because he's being himself, this incredibly smart, clever guy. Now, so Andy Richter was still on that show until it went to a half an hour. Um, so he was on the TBS show. Conan brought him back and he was on the TBS show. Andy Richter did a show. I have a conspiracy theory about Andy Richter too, which I'll be eager to share with you. Andy Richter did a show, uh, I assume written by him and thought of it called Andy Richter Controls the Universe. 
where he had one of the great jobs of all time. He wrote manuals for like defense department level weapons. Mm-hmm. Right. He was a writer, but he worked on that. And everybody else in his office were these brilliant actors. It was a comedy. And much of the show took place in his head. Right. He would sort of imagine conversations uh, and he would have conversations with, I can't remember whether it was his grandfather who had started the firm or just the guy who had started the firm. The guy was unbelievably racist. Right. And uh, the show was sensational. It's really hard to find. I think it was eight episodes or 10 episodes. Jenk, you would love it. It's one of the best shows no, I've I ever seen. I watched some of it. It was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Right. So I kind of, I'm with you. Like, why didn't he get another show? Because that would work now. That would be on Netflix now. Right. That would be on HBO Max and people would. People would love it. My conspiracy theory is that because he was an active Hillary Clinton supporter, um, which I mean, I, I don't know if he was how active. I mean, he wanted her to beat Trump. That's really all I know, right? I mean, which everyone should have wanted. Um, but he, at one point, and I would respond to his tweets because he would talk about movies a lot too, and, and he followed me. And then he stopped following me. And I believe it is because of DYT. Because I think he was sort of thought that, uh, you know, that, that the, the TYT world uh, undermined uh, the the Bernie world undermined Hillary. I have no evidence of this, but that is my <laughs> that is my theory on why he took the time uh, uh, not to follow me. But of course, I still follow him because he's uh, he's funny and and endlessly interesting. Yeah, no, uh, Andy, you were wrong about Hillary Clinton, but that's okay. Uh, I pardon you. Uh, you should come on old school. We'll have a blast because we think you're really funny. Um, okay, uh, so um, now uh, I'm moving on to is someone that you, oh you know what another quick point. Um, have you noticed Ben that literally has become literally that that oh, yeah, people are pronouncing it with a ch like very yeah. consistently. Mm-hmm. That I'm I'm not the one who took the crazy pill. That changed. Wait, what, in our wait, wait what's the ch? I mean, I get that they've left out the er, but I mean, they're saying literally, or no? I guess uh, no, saying, they're saying I, literally. Oh yeah, you're right. I guess that is a ch. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I can't even do it. Like I would so never do it that I can't do it. Yeah, like, it's funny. I've seen it from people who are in high positions, for lack of a better word. Um, and I've seen it from folks who are regular folks. Yeah. Uh, you mean you people know. in high positions like Donald Trump Jr., Dave Rubin, like people in seriously high positions? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I can't say even say, say a media it. executive, right? Say so it again. Say, say it again. Humor me. Literally. All right. Okay. I can't even hear it right. I can't even. I can only hear the way you're supposed to say. It. So, but so, have you noticed that people are saying literally? Yeah, 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 definitely. I just can't mimic it. Yeah, it's a funny mind block you have. Um, yeah, but I literally. mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. in the world happened? Why did the T get turned into a CH? And why did everyone from like construction workers to media executives agree upon it within the last couple of years? Well, I mean, because language changes, obviously, and 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 you know, I, I love grammar and I like the grammar rules, but I get it that it should evolve, and that rather than have eighty-five percent of English-speaking uh, people get stuff wrong, that maybe we just go ahead and 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 say, well, it's going to say this differently now, right? I mean, so uh, you know, I mean, towards was wrong, right? It's toward. Period. End of discussion. But Eventually, we gave up, and now in the dictionary, you're like towards, toward, whatever one, right? Means the same thing. Have at it. Uh, they just made a change. I don't know which dictionary on the one you get wrong all the time that I love to correct you on, right? I mean, I'm doing it playfully because but less and fewer. Now you're off the hook. They're they're giving you a pass on less, right? Yeah, um, it's about right? time. Now I'll make less <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> Right now, I can't even say anything about that. I'm like, all right, fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so I get it that stuff changes. It's always changed, but uh, but yeah, and so the sounds matter. How people say stuff matters. Okay, uh, I think we're gonna run out of time in this segment for Genghis Khan. So I'm gonna save it for members only. Tyt.com/slash/join to become a member. And when you become a member, you get the full old school podcast, an hour long. You'll love it. So uh, in this time, let me say one last thing about uh, literally. Um, okay. Really, and this is, people don't. Uh, it's because we stopped reading. 
right? I mean, obviously, we still read, but we don't read nearly as much. I mean, television is the biggest invention in, in, in our lifetime and in our parents' lifetime. It changed how we interact with people. And then when you start just hearing things and you don't read as much, but if people read books, they would see the word, they would see the earth. And you know from reading it that that word is literally. And then the people around you say it, right? Because they read it. But that's over. <laughs> so uh, no, but that's that's why I brought up the in in my super awkward way of saying uh, people at high positions that like folks who are plenty educated and have seen the word a million times say literally they don't uh, read even the pie they don't read. No, I, I I don't I believe they don't read. Now some of them the executive might, but he's heard it from so many people who don't read that it you know eventually uh, no, eventually I see, the culture overwhelms I, even the readers. So that's funny because I heard it from the executive first. So I thought, if anything, that maybe uh, folks were being snobbish by saying literally, right? Um, but the accent, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they left out the accent. But um, but I just realized the great irony of saying the word literally, non-literally. Oh right, of course. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. yeah. You're literally getting it wrong. You are. Um, Okay. <laughs> Anyways, all right. In this time, I wanted I I know last time you mentioned Gloria Allred and how we got it wrong on her. So I was really curious about that. How do we get it wrong? Uh, well, I, well, I wasn't really prepared to talk about it. Mainly that 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 she has been a crusader for women's rights for under for people underrepresented, marginalized uh, for her entire life, uh, for forever when there were no cameras, right? And that she came to realize that, like plenty of others, right, who we sort of give a pass to, that no, if I'm not out there shoving it in your face, you won't pay attention. And these people need to be her. And so I'm going to do that. She is tireless, has worked her ass off, does tons and always has done a gazillion pro bono thing, right? And so when you see her and you think, oh, here's somebody else who wants to get paid. She's like, yeah, that's how we won. That's how we change things, right? Because that's the society we live in. And then, and two, no, they're not always want to get paid. I want you to focus on the person who did wrong. And that's going to require a big press conference. And it's going to require me here. And if you want to make me the villain, fine. But I'm going to force people to talk about this stuff. So she's been on the right side of everything. Um, and you know, and she understood how to use the media to uh, uh, to get it done. But that even happened fairly late in her career, and she still works, busts her ass, even at whatever age she is now. You know, Ben, it's first of all, it, you swung me, but uh, something else has happened in the meanwhile uh, that also swung me, which is that I, I just realized as you were talking that um, when Trump does it, it's celebrated on the right. I mean, you want to talk about a camera hog? Nobody hogs a camera more than Donald right. J. Trump. Uh, and I mean, and the right wing bows down to it and loves it. I think maybe Gloria Allred's problem was that she's on the left. And so people on the left and all the way through us, uh, when we criticized her earlier uh, in our coverage, there's instinctually we don't like it. Sure. Um, right, right. We're, we're the way I was repelled by it early on with Howard Stern until later, right? You know, that uh, I mean, not that he was on the left, he is now, but. Uh, um, yeah, that sort of being a uh, using the media to celebrate to focus on you just seemed ugh, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, but, but but the left is wrong. Uh, and that's right. Yeah, in the in the media wars, if you're not uh, hugging a camera, you're doing it wrong. Um, and so uh, Gloria Allred, uh, bless your heart, and and you were apparently just ahead of your time. <laughs> and real quick, I will say that I don't think that the, the, they're wrong uh, on the left. I think they were right. That is the right thing to do. But eventually, uh, you're just going to lose all the yeah. time about things but, that matter. So you yeah. got to, like even language, it, you got to adapt. That's right, Ben. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, maybe that's for right. good reason, uh, you are hurting your side if you're not in front of a camera yeah. making your case because the other side is doing it. Super aggressively. Let's do. I'm going to take 30 seconds, Jack, because it's so relevant. Like talking about. So now that we know the monster that Harvey Weinstein is, previously many people thought he was a different kind of monster, just sort of, you know, loud, boisterous, overwhelming people. Um, 
being loud, uh, cruel at times. We didn't know he was a, a, a pathological, I didn't, and I'm sure most people didn't know he was a pathological criminal. Um, so in 1998, his he started it a little earlier, but in 1998, it went all out. And he you know, sent, I believe the story is true, sent members of the Hollywood Foreign Press, people around the Golden Globes, he sent them all televisions. So that along with the copy of Shakespeare in Love, so they would see it and vote for it, right? And so that it would, and then, you know, again, started this massive ad campaign for his movie so that it could beat Saving Private Ryan. And it did, of course, it it had this outrage of somehow winning Best Picture over this most important uh, World War II film maybe ever. And, uh, uh, And Steven Spielberg would not respond, right? I'm not going to try and win an Oscar. I'm not going to try and sell my movie. My movie should stand on its own. This is uncouth. This is this is base, right? This is not how I'm going to. That's not how I want to behave. And he lost. Um, and everybody learned a lesson from that, right? And Harvey sold himself and sold this awful stuff, but it worked for a very long time until to get back to Gloria Allred. Until some incredibly courageous women came forward and then used the media to get that message out and send a monster to prison. Yeah, so um, I I have a lot to say about that. First of all, uh, uh, I'm arguably uncouth to begin with, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, I promised uh, you guys that I will continue to be fully uncouth. Um, because uh, at the end of the day, whether Spielberg or Weinstein wins that Oscar is, uh, and no offense intended uh, to the movie industry, Ben, uh, but it's really not that important. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm still pissed about it because I care yeah. about movies. And I think Saving Private Ryan was fantastic. And I know Weinstein stole that Oscar through marketing gimmicks. And it offends me that those marketing gimmicks work right, uh, yeah. and people fell for it. But we know it's not uh, an earth shattering uh, difference uh, who won that Oscar. Um, but when it comes to politics, it's a matter of life and death. And it's super relevant. So it's not just me, for anyone who will listen to me, whether they're in progressive groups or, uh, or office holders, uh, I'm now advising them, go find a camera, give it a bear hug and don't let go. Because uh, if you're not, in front of a camera and making your point forcefully, we're gonna lose. So don't let people down by being selfish and uh, ironically selfish and thinking, "Oh no, I I don't want to seem uncouth. It, it might offend Bob or Sally in my circle, so I'm not gonna do it." And so, look, I'm lucky in that I was, uh, like I said, uh, boorish to begin with, right? Um, but. Uh, but in politics, it's everything, and that's it's the only reason why Democrats don't have overwhelming advantages and majorities all across the country. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, and look, as someone Trumpian will rise, and maybe several folks will rise in the left. And for a while, the mainstream media, especially if and when Biden wins, will poo-poo those people. And the mainstream media hates it, they hate that stuff, right? And especially when it comes from the left, from the right, they're kind of used to the circus. From the left, they're like, oh, I do declare, right? But it doesn't matter how much they hate it because those howitzers have already been launched. It's just a matter of when they land. And if you think the Republican Party is going to take, suppose he loses badly, if their lesson is going to be, man, we need to go back to Bob Dole and John McCain. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think you're you're out of your mind, right? It may break the party. There may be another party, but those guys are not. They're not going to nominate another person like that, Mitt Romney. I don't think they're going to nominate another person like that ever. Uh, you're just going to no, get. No, you're just going to get a smarter version of Trump, a more disciplined version of Trump. Yeah, I, I've been saying it for a couple of months now. Uh, it's going to be Tucker Carlson. Uh, maybe I mean I don't I don't put it past you. I mean I look at guys like Tom Cotton and think that it could easily be him. But Tom Cotton has got way more discipline than the, than Trump. But I mean I, you know I mean I, I four years ago I would have been like Tucker Carlson is going to be the Republican nominee for president. You're out of your mind, and no one should say that you're out of your mind in saying that now. 
Yeah, the chance of a Bob Dole-esque person rising up versus a Tucker Carlson, they got no chance. No. So, I mean, look, I think 2024, if if Biden doesn't lose an unlosable lead in the next month, sure, I'll anti-jinx and knock on wood, right? But if that holds, 2024 is we're going to be right back in the soup. It's going to be an, an amazing primary on both sides. Yeah. So. Likely Biden won't run. Likely it'll be Kamala Harris, but it ain't no progressives going to give it to Kamala Harris. Other establishment Democrats are going to just give it to Kamala Harris. No, no, no. She'll have. She'll have. I mean, she could. She could. You know, uh, uh, she could increase her bona fides in the next four years in in some way. Um, but yeah, I've got, I mean, I would imagine that it'll be uh, the, the day she's not going to get it handed to her like uh, uh, like the party uh, handed it. Like it cleared the field for. Uh, for Hillary, that's uh, that's inconceivable. Yeah, and on the Republican side, I mean, let's have fun for a second. You're gonna have Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, uh, probably Tom Cotton. Uh, Ted Cruz is never gonna give up that dream. I'm not sure Mitt Romney's ever gonna give up that dream. No, no, no. Uh, I think that's well, you know, that's one reason why he uh, why he's likely to uh, you know it's surprised us all. But I think that Amy Coney Barrett uh, decision. Of his is is likely at least to keep it open. I mean, he also would like a conservative justice, but he wants to. He doesn't. He's not interested in alienating the base of the party any more than he has if he wants to be president. If he wants to have another crack at being president. And, and Mitt Romney is, I think, by that time might be seventy six. But he obviously made a deal with the Mormon devil, uh, whatever that is called. Uh, he, looks, and, he, looks, he looks fantastic. Yeah, he looks like he's fifty six. So yeah. nobody's even going to yeah, question. Yeah. His age, um, and uh, uh, and then uh, and then you throw Tucker Carlson in, uh, which is like rolling a hand grenade into the middle of the primaries, and it's going to be a fantastic holy mess. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And of course, we're we're leaving uh, uh, plenty of people. We're in fact leaving out all people connected to this administration, um, which. Uh, again, we're talking about whether they could win a Republican nomination, and obviously, of course, they could. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I mean, like, like that guy. What's his name? Kevin Zorbo. I'm getting his name wrong. The actor, right? The actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the actor. What's his Hercules, name? Right. Yeah, right, right. What's his name? Why am I blanking on his name? Well, he didn't hug enough cameras, so we don't remember it perfectly. Yeah, but it was uh, something like Zorbo the Greek. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, Anthony Quinn. Um. The. Uh, um, yeah, like that guy. I mean, what you're saying. I mean, Jesus, Scott Bale could be the Republican nominee. I mean, I, I put, <laughs> I put nothing by them, uh, except he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the charm. But who knows, James Woods. I mean, he's too old. But I mean, you know, Chuck Woolery. It's insane who would be uh, a significant uh, possibility on on that side now. Yeah. So. Uh- I look forward to it. By the way, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Republicans at the end of that mess will come out a stronger party. Um, and the Democrats, now that I'm thinking it through, now after four years of Kamala Harris uh, propaganda, some establishment Democrats might make a run, but they're going to get put down probably pretty easy. And then all the media is going to pile on any progressive who runs against her. Um, that's probably how it'll go down. And then the Democratic Party will get weaker. Because they will not have tested their candidate. If, but I think the progressive this time around will test her. Yeah, so and, and again, you know, look, the man, you know, the media was was more hospitable to progressives this cycle than last cycle, and they'll be more hospitable in the next cycle. It may not be enough, but I mean, it's changing because the literal people who are in it, who are working in it, are younger, right? And people who've been in it and experienced the era of. Bob Dole for using him to sum it all up uh, are gone, and that that means nothing to uh, to most Americans under the age of thirty five. Oh, nothing at all. They have no yeah. idea who who that is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just along those lines, uh, real quick, it, look, media is everything, and so the reason why, if I ask you to here, we'll do it. Uh, Asher, you think of it too, okay? Uh, name one opera singer, Ben. Uh, Pavarotti. Of course, Asher, you thought Pavarotti, right? Of course, every single person says Pavarotti. Now you wanna know why? 
he was not the top opera singer at the time. Uh, he did a Chef Boyardee ad, that's why. Um, and that was seen by the whole country a billion times. Uh, back then there was only three channels and it played on a loop. So when anytime anybody thought of an opera singer, they thought of Pavarotti. Uh, and then he became known as the best opera singer, uh, leaving all other opera singers going, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, another example, uh, our friend Tommy Chong. Uh, Tommy's been in the news so much because of you know this uh, cannabis activism. Let's put it that way. That okay. I, I'm gonna ask you guys, Ben. It, you know what? I don't want to ask you just in case you get it wrong. So, <laughs> what's Cheech's last name? Marin. <laughs> okay. But for most people, including me, I was like, wait, I think it's Baron, but I'm gonna look it up before I ask Ben. Okay. Right. <laughs> it was Cheech and Chong, and Cheech and Chong in the 1970s and 80s were super famous. And yep. Cheech Baron actually is a are you certainly worked more as an actor and made Uh-oh. it and was on giant TV shows. But Tommy's been in the news a billion times because of, of uh, pot. Right, and and he got arrested. He got and he's all over the internet with the CBD oh, so stuff. Yeah, yeah. For young people, there's no question who's more, who's more famous. Yeah, no, not even close. Right, and it just goes to show you again: if you're going to do politics, you don't have a choice. Go hug a camera. Um, um, by the way, I I, I think uh, I wish I'd said Audra McDonald. Audra sure. what? McDonald for opera singer. I wish, but I didn't. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but even if you had said that, everyone, including you, would know that you first thought Pavarotti. Totally. Right. <laughs> so, okay, now Genghis Khan. We probably not don't have enough time to do him justice. But you know, I, this is a random uh, pet peeve of mine. Uh, that whenever you ask anybody uh, who's the smartest person who ever lived, they will always name a scientist. Okay, so Ben, if I ask you, who's the smartest person who ever lived? My father. <laughs> okay, no, it, look, the two names that at least ninety percent of people will say are Einstein, yeah. Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure they won't say that. Uh, that wasn't literally. Oh uh, my god, that was so anti-Semitic. Go ahead. <laughs> so Einstein and and Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. And, right. Um, so, and, and we've talked about this on Old School before. Why not Confucius? Uh, why not a, a philosopher like Nietzsche? And a lot of people don't like Nietzsche, but he was brilliant, right? Um, but then I was thinking, you know, and my sister got me started on this, and it connects to the conversation we were having last time about Orientalism, which is uh, something you study how the West views the East, and and oftentimes the bigotry that comes along with that. And a great example is how they treat Genghis Khan. Like we were taught, if we were taught it at all, oh, the Mongols are savages and Genghis Khan is the biggest savage of them all. And then I thought about it the other day and I was like, wait a minute. That dude was had no family to back him up, uh, was left to die, didn't even have a tribe. Somehow got into a tribe, somehow took over the tribe, somehow united all the Mongol tribes, which literally had never been united before in world history, and then took over half the known world. That might be the smartest guy who ever lived. Yeah, that equates strength. I mean, it is smart. You got to unite them. But I mean, you know, honestly, I wouldn't name a scientist, right? I mean, I might name it under the pressure of a show where I have to give an answer in three seconds because we don't, have, we can't have silence, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, and obviously, you know, I don't mean to minimize scientists. We should definitely listen to scientists about science, right? But I'm, I don't need to listen to scientists about politics or about literature or about human nature necessarily. That's not what they study, right? I mean, Anthony Fauci, I'm not interested in what he, what he thinks about, you know. Uh, uh, political culture, or or what ought to be. I mean, I am interested because he's a very smart person. But I mean, I, he's not. No one would think he's the smartest. So honestly, like in this century, I, I I'd be thinking historians, right? And I can't name. But I mean, like to me, I look at uh, this guy Kevin Cruz on uh, Cruz on uh, Twitter, right? It's Princeton University professor. He guy takes down Dinesh D'Souza on a regular basis and all. 
And what he knows about like the history of the Voting Rights Act, I mean, and the history of uh, of, of segregation and oppression of uh, of uh, of uh, white America to subjugate black. This is one of the smartest people I've ever, and quickly, right? Um, so, but I'd I'd think about like, yeah, maybe uh, Noam Chomsky, George Lakoff, maybe they're the smartest people of the 20th century. Uh, guys like that uh, are, are uh, the answers that I would go with rather than. Rather than Genghis Khan, who I think obviously, you know, everyone who went to school and taught that the, the Mongol hordes uh, were, you know, uh, uh, pillaging the world, that uh, clearly we were taught uh, uh, incorrectly and that he is underappreciated or undervalued. Yeah. So, look, uh, both because we're out of time and, and, and because I, I don't remember all the details, uh, I'll just give you one example of what Genghis Khan did, because uh, it wasn't just about being strong. Um, and, and by the way, I agree with you. If you've said who's the smartest person alive right now, I definitely say Noam Chomsky. But I would, um, don't you think the smartest person alive right now is by their very nature, the smartest person who ever lived? I mean, we get smarter and smarter. No, not necessarily. It depends on the context, right? How did they do within the context of their times shows you their raw intelligence arguably. Oh my God, it's a little like arguing that Bob Cousy is better than LeBron James. But okay, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that is an indefensible argument. And <laughs> and Bob Cousy would find himself indefensible if it was on the court with <laughs> LeBron James. Um, so, uh, so one of the things that Genghis Khan did was because the Mongols were so um, um, attached to their tribe, the minute he got them into his army, he would put them in groups of 10, but make sure that he split them up from their tribes. So he'd put different tribes into those groups of 10, and those groups of 10 is what would be their new loyalty. And he formed their identity around their army unit as opposed to their tribe, so that they would be loyal to him instead of their tribal leaders. All right, so that's very smart. smart. There's no question. You know who it reminds me of? Very quickly. So who I see as the Genghis Khan of the of the 20th century, uh, former uh, uh, Bengals head coach Sam Weish, who made the black guys room with the white guys, right? Because he wanted to make sure that the team came to bat, came together, and the Bengals went on to win five Super Bowls. I rest my case. <laughs> Well, when you first started with that example, I'm like, I'm positive that that's not going to be a correct analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad he did that. That's good. So yeah, that's totally right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I actually, I know we're way over. So super last thing is that's why when I see the Brian Erlackers of the world come out and say stuff against Black Lives Matter, I am stunned by it. Okay, yeah. I get old school Mike Ditka, but Erlacher, you played with all of those African American teammates, and you didn't. You never cared about them. You never believed them. You never talked to them. I just, I, I can't believe it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah. I mean, you know, the Otis Wilson and Wilbur Marshall came for you at linebacker for the Bears, right? And make Singletary. It never, you never got any of those stories then from them or any of your teammates. I. Uh, yeah, and and so last thing for me then, you know, Jack Kemp, who was a Republican and conservative, oddly enough, here we go, comes up, ran with Bob Tolles, his vice presidential pick in 1996. Uh, Jack Kemp had been a quarterback, played with the the Bills uh, and I, I think some other teams, but certainly oh. the, the. God damn it! Hey, don't curse. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that go from my uh -huh. like he's reaching in his ear. He shouldn't do that. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> it's gone. I don't even know where it went. Um, so uh, uh, now, as I was telling Asher before the show, these I got these uh, earbuds. I'm obsessed with them. I can't not charge them. I mean, it's like an obsession. Like after this, I'll finish up and I'll be like, I gotta find a charger. I gotta charge them because what if I try to use them next time and they're not charged? What if? What will I do? I won't be able to listen to anything. Um, yeah, so, I, I can. I, I'm just gonna jump in for the. Super, super last thing. Um, I got AirPods, I immediately lost them because they stressed me out so much. I, I don't know where I put them, but I was like, oh, I gotta charge these. Oh, I'm so stressed. And then I must have subconsciously put them in a place I can't find them. Oh my God, all, all I do is look for the AirPods, all I do. But I walk the dogs, if I don't have the AirPods, the dogs are just gonna have to pee in the house because I, I will not go out without them. So Jack, uh, Jack Kemp, um, 
you know, when he ran, like he was one of the, my dad used to say, my dad, the smartest person I ever lived. He used to say that that Jack Kemp was like one of the few Republicans about whom racial issues really matter, genuinely. And you know, this guy, he's the, he is the father, at least the political father of enterprise zones in, in American cities. And he genuinely wanted effort and money. He believed in the private sector, but he wanted to encourage the private sector to invest in areas where minorities lived in American cities to generate the economy there. Like it, it mattered to him. And, and my dad always said that's because this guy had the black guys blocking for him. Like he, he, under, he got it to some extent. But also like to point out, I watched like the 1960 something NFL championship game, AFL championship game between the Bills and the Raiders. And Jack Kemp, I swear to God, went like 16 for 38 with four interceptions and no touchdowns, and everybody thought he played well. No quarterback in the 1960s could hit an open receiver ever under any circumstances. <laughs> I love that last random point. And my last random point is um, uh, but that's why when I was a Republican, I applied to work for Jack Kemp. Oh, interesting. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. There you go. You learn something new every day. All right, guys. Uh, much love. We'll see you next time. Thank you.